0: Sports Crunch is brought to you by Top Choice Athletics, the number one in customized sports equipment and apparel. In honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Top Choice Athletics is proud to release their 2018 Breast Cancer Awareness Bottle. Support the fight. All profits from the spotter will be donated to the American Cancer Society. Top Choice Athletics is dedicated to supporting the fight against breast cancer and encourages everyone to join in the cause. Also, for this month only, get free shipping when you purchase any item from the website using the promo code Together We CAN. For more information, visit www.topchoiceathletics.com or email sales at topchoiceathletics.com. Make sure to follow Top Choice Athletics on Facebook and Instagram for updates on their spotlight athletes, discounts, sales, and new products. Releases at Real TC Athletics on Twitter and at Top Choice Athletics on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromwell. Every single week of this 2018 NFL season has consisted of more heart-palpitating finishes to start an NFL season than I can ever remember. We have had games go to overtime every single week thus far. And even though this week's 7th slate of games doesn't look quite as delicious as those of previous weeks, we should expect even more near heart attacks this week and for the rest of the season.
1: Isn't that right, Hal Bent? It is absolutely correct, David. What a week it was. Uh, you just can't sleep after these night games because they've both been, this past week, so exciting that you've, you've got an hour till your adrenaline goes down. Oh, tell me about it,
0: man. I could barely sleep uh, after Aaron Rodgers led that uh, amazing comeback, although the 49ers' pathetic defensive scheming was to blame, in part.
1: definitely. Definitely. Indeed. And
0: uh, what were your other takeaways from week six, Hal? Uh, Let's start with you here.
1: Okay. um, The first one I'm going to take away is I'm looking at the balance of power in the AFC. And while the Chiefs are still up there at the top of that list, don't sleep on those New England Patriots and Pittsburgh Steelers. They both had a rough start to the season. Both had a lot of off-season controversy swirling around them, and it looked like this might be the year where the balance of power was finally switching away. You had hot starts from Baltimore and Cincinnati, and Jacksonville went down and beat up New England in Week 2 at home. and So many other teams coming out, and you're saying, finally, maybe this is the year it switches, but, man, these last couple of weeks, it's been Steelers and Patriots just looking like they always do, ruthless on offense and just good enough on defense. Ooh,
0: very, very good point. But I think there's another team that you have to keep an eye on in the AFC and we'll get to them in a little bit. But for my week's takeaways, uh, the Buffalo Bills, they may have the worst roster in football, but Sean McDermott just knows how to get the most out of any team. He is asserting himself as a Dark Horse Coach of the Year candidate again this season. And you have to give him credit for squeezing all he can out of that those lemons he's been given and make some of the most tasty lemonade uh, you could taste on Sundays in the NFL. But when you talk about this Buffalo Bills team, you are looking at an historical difference between offense and defense. According to Football Outsiders, the Bills defense is third best in the league right now in total DVOA, but their offense is the second worst ever through six games in total DVOA behind only the 2004 Miami Dolphins. And their data goes back to, I believe, 1986. So, an historically terrible offense, but a defense that always keeps them in the game. And Patrick Mahomes. Yes, the Patriots won 43-40. Tom Brady showed why he's the greatest quarterback to ever play, but all those who continued to malign Patrick Mahomes on Twitter have to zip it after that performance. That first half was as bad as any quarterback could play. Bill Belichick did a masterful job of uh, fooling Patrick Mahomes into some careless mistakes, but the fact that he immediately rebounded in the second half and took Tom Brady all the way to the brink, just shows you how special a quarterback Patrick Mahomes is and is going to be for a long, long time. The physical talent and the intangibles, that rare, rare blend that guys like Aaron Rodgers have, uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to be on that level should all things uh, go the way they are um, right now and continue that way.
1: Great, great point, David. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he just, I mean, Even in losing, this was a win for Patrick Mahomes. He went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady and did not back down one bit and gave it as good as he got it. And it was a great performance. The way they made the adjustments at halftime in Kansas City and got back into that game and even took the lead at the end, that should have been more people coming around and saying, Patrick Mahomes is the next superstar in the NFL And just to get back to your Buffalo point real quick, I want to give a quick shout-out to the architect of that Bills defense these past two years, Leslie Frazier, who we remember him as the Minnesota Vikings head coach. Um, You know, a lot of head coaches, the second time around is when they find success, so put him on your short list right now because – executives around the league should be looking at what he's doing with that Buffalo defense and looking at him as a potential head coach next year
0: oh I completely agree and let's not forget Leslie Frazier was a cornerback on that 85 Chicago Bears defense so he knows a thing or two about playing defense at a super high level and plus I saw Leslie Frazier on a daily basis at the senior bowl he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet you just exchange a friendly hello with him he uh, just smiles and says hello right back one of the nicest guys I've met
1: everyone agrees on that he's he's a classy he did a great job in minnesota he had a the exit wasn't like you want it but he was pure class and that's always been with him his entire career and uh he's just what he's doing with that buffalo defense with the not the most talented unit and no help from your offense has just been amazing
0: Tell me about it. And now let's go on to the game we started to play last week called truth or exaggeration. And you know the rules of this game. I'm going to make a statement and you are supposed to determine whether it's the truth or just an exaggeration. And starting with the category of defense in particular. Offenses have been scoring at a record high rate through the first six weeks of this season. Uh, Teddy Bruschi a couple weeks ago tweeted that the era of dominant NFL defenses, whether it be the 85 Bears, whether it be the 2000 Ravens, or even the 2002 Buccaneers, 2013 Seahawks, 2015 Broncos, 70 Steelers, y- you name it, are over because of the rules and Uh, defenses uh, are going to make their money in certain situations, whether it be in third down or in the red zone. So is it truth or exaggeration that the era of dominant NFL defenses is over?
1: Ooh, I'm going to go with that's an exaggeration. Um, You know, there's always going to be adjustments year in and year out. The offense is going to go up, the offense is going to go down. And I'm looking at specifically the Baltimore Ravens defense. They're allowing less than 13 points a game right now. You can't run on that defense. You can't pass on that defense. They are getting close to a team that if Joe Flacco takes care of the ball, they're going to be right there in the playoffs and nobody's going to be wanting to play Baltimore as usual in January because of that defense. And I think they're right there and ready to be that dominant defense again.
0: Oh, I completely agree with you, actually, because it was just three years ago where we had the 2015 Broncos, and just uh, five years ago, we had that 2013 Seahawks defense. We've had two uh, record-setting defenses this past decade. You can't jump to the conclusion that the, the era of dominant NFL defenses is over. There's going to be constant zigging and zagging. And moving on to the Chicago Bears, who despite coming off of a heartbreaking loss last week, their fans should be very optimistic about Mitchell Trubisky going forward, given his performance these past couple of games.
1: Oh, that is the truth. I'm going to go with that. I think he is in the perfect situation, just like Jared Goff in Los Angeles. Trubisky has the right head coach in Matt Nagy, who's going to give him exactly what he needs to succeed and limit anything that's going to take away from his chance for success. So I'm going to go with that as a truth.
0: Indeed, and patience is still required, Bears fans, but you have to be very encouraged by what you've seen from your hopefully franchise quarterback these past couple of weeks. And you mentioned the Steelers, Patriots, and Ravens. The Los Angeles Chargers are winners of three straight and they're only about to get more dangerous. Joey Bosa is going to come back after their bye week. They have an electric backfield tandem of Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler and Phillip Rivers to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Tyrell Williams. That is an offense that defenses aren't going to want to face, so the Los Angeles Chargers are a serious threat to win not just the AFC West, but the AFC should Joey Bosa get healthy and come back gangbusters as expected.
1: I'm going to say it's a truth and I'm going to put a little caveat on there because the success of Melvin Gordon running the football is what's really taking this offense to another dimension and allowing Philip Rivers to make big chunk plays down the field off of that play action where Gordon has struggled in the past. The offense has dried up and this year he is back. He's Being that running back that they expected out of him when they drafted him. And like you said, that defense, even without Bosa, just look at what they did to Baker Mayfield and the Browns last week. There was constant pressure. There was nowhere for Mayfield to get out of the pocket and make a play. It was a disciplined defensive game. They put on pressure without abandoning the lanes or setting the edge in the passing game. That is a good defense right there.
0: Oh, it most certainly is. And speaking of the defenses, the Minnesota Vikings have had to deal with the absence of Everson Griffin. And now rookie Mike Hughes is out for the year. But Kirk Cousins continues to play out of his mind. Adam Thielen, six games in the season. Every game, he has had over 100 receiving yards or more, and he could tie the all-time record for that category with another such performance this Sunday against the Jets. And given the talent that still exists on defense, plus Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen and that offense uh, continuing to grow and get even better, the Minnesota Vikings have to be considered the current favorites to win the NFC North.
1: I'm gonna go on truth with that. Um, You know, the Green Bay defense had some fits and starts. Um, They've got a lot of young players, and I'm not sure that defense is going to hold up over the entire season. And when you look at Minnesota's defense, like you had talked about, there are just there is just so much pure talent in that unit that it's just a matter of time until that unit comes together i mean you talk about losing your first round draft pick cornerback who's been playing so well and you still have xavier rhodes mackenzie alexander trey waynes uh, you got harrison smith in that defensive backfield you're not going to miss a step in minnesota it's just one little part of a luxury so for minnesota yes truth they are the favorites in the nfc north and Maybe the NFC, um, because it looks like they're getting back on track, and when they get healthy, they could be really dangerous.
0: I completely agree, and one of the games I'm looking forward to the most this week is that game in Baltimore, as the Baltimore Ravens play host to the New Orleans Saints, and the Ravens have had Drew Brees number during his career as a New Orleans Saint, as Brees is 0-3 against Baltimore in that role, and the Saints enter this game third in total offense, and as you mentioned, the Ravens are number one in total defense, yielding just 13 points per game, and last week, that amazing performance, 11 sacks on Marcus Mariota, led by Zedarius Smith who is growing into a very fine player for that uh, very talented Ravens defense. Um, how well do you think this Ravens defense matches up with the Saints offense?
1: they match up very well in that regards you know the saints are gonna try to run the ball and it's hard to run against the defense where you've got that defensive line of you know they're not the biggest names out there in baltimore but they're solid and they can stop the run and anybody that gets past them gets eaten up by cj mosley anyways you've got Eric Weddle, who's at 33, is still at the top of his game at free safety. You've got Tony Jefferson there next to him at strong safety. They're just so many good players. They're solid. They've got veterans. They've got young players. They've got speed. They still have that Terrell Suggs power on the edge. It's. The most complete defense, whether you want to say it's got veterans, it's got rookies, it's got speed, it's got power, they cover everything. And and that's going to be a real tough matchup for the Saints. And it's going to be very difficult for Drew Brees to, one, find open receivers with Baltimore being able to get pressure on him without having to send numerous blitzes his way.
0: Oh, that's a very, very good point. And getting to Drew Brees without having to blitz is mandatory because if you blitz Drew Brees, he'll make you pay nine times out of 10, if not 99 times out of 100. That would be a better uh, mathematical interpretation (laughs) there. And this game, looking at this game, uh, this Saints offense, uh, though, they do have the talent especially on the offensive line with their maulers in the run game with uh, Max Sunger and Larry Warford, also Ryan Ramchick at right tackle, Teron Armstead. Uh, this Saints offense might be better equipped to attack such a physical defense like this Ravens even compared to years fast, don't
1: you think? Yeah, they they do have the power up front, and, it, and it's going to be a matter of, can they get Kamara in space and have him have missed tackles. You know, can Michael Thomas win a couple of one on one matchups? Do you move him into the slot and try to take advantage of, you know, um, a younger cornerback there, keep him away from Brandon Carr? And, you know, can he match up on Marlon Humphrey and make some plays? New Orleans is really going to have to play a matchup game here with Baltimore's defense and try to chip away and find something that works that they can go back to in a big situation and either get a chunk play or get themselves into position to score points.
0: And speaking of matchups, what matchup do you think will decide this game the most?
1: it's going to be you know it's going to be those saints receivers if they can you know if the if the cornerbacks can get and shut out i mean i'm not too worried about ted ginn maybe but michael thomas has just been a one-man wrecking machine and if they can take thomas away and they can keep camara bottled up and out of a big play in the receiving game so that, that Ravens secondary, those safeties and coverage of the running back, the cornerbacks matching up on Thomas, that's going to be the biggest matchup, I think, on Sunday in this big game.
0: Oh, I completely agree there, Hal. If there is a weak spot on this Ravens defense, it is the cornerback position. Uh, Brandon Carr is getting a bit long in the tooth, and as good as Jimmy Smith is, he's not uh, an elite shutdown corner, and Marlon Humphrey uh, is still learning. So uh, the cornerback position is uh, what the Saints uh, should be attacking the most uh, in this game to get a favorable matchup against that very, very tough Baltimore Ravens defense San. But this game can actually turn out a lot of different ways when when looking at it. Uh, do you expect a high scoring affair, a low scoring defensive struggle, or something in between?
1: I have it as kind of a, a low scoring uh, defensive struggle. I don't think Baltimore is going to blow the doors off New Orleans on offense. You know, there's still a lot of questions. Uh, at least I have. You know, can can Alex Collins run the ball consistently? You know, Joe Flacco everybody kind of holds his breath when he's winding up and and ready to throw michael crabtree's helped a lot but having Willie Sneed and John Brown there at wide receiver it seems like Flacco is you know taking a few more chances down the field and and that can actually hurt his game he needs to be more disciplined and when he's not in that disciplined mode the offense is going to struggle there in Baltimore so so I'm looking at this as, as more of a lower scoring game and and more of the Baltimore offense that's had a combined 30 points in the last two weeks um, rather than that team that put up 47 points on buffalo in week one
0: and who do you think comes out winning this game
1: well it's going to be close but i've got baltimore at home uh pulling it out by a field goal 19 to 16 over the saints
0: I am just in that ballpark, although I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring than that, 23-20 Ravens, and Sunday Night Football brings us Patrick Mahomes for the second week in a row, this time at Arrowhead Stadium, his home turf, as the Chiefs play host to the Cincinnati Bengals, coming off a very heartbreaking loss against the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they did almost everything right in that game until the last drive, then they were robbed by a bad, bad call, weren't they?
1: Oh, they definitely were. There's no doubt about that. That was, um, what do you call that? Bengals luck? Uh,
0: Damn, like bad Bengals luck at home against the Steelers. More of that, um, we should say. <laughs> and, uh, but when you look at this game, who do you think should be the key focal point for the Bengals offense in this game? Should it be Andy Dalton, in the passing game, or Joe Mixon and the running game?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. And and you know, you saw what the Patriots did against the Chiefs as well on Sunday night is they had that great balance with the New England running game, both James White and Sony Michelle pounding the ball in between the tackles and opening up those big plays down the field. And I think if I'm Cincinnati, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, you know what, that's the blueprint right there. If we can keep We can use Mixon to keep Mahomes on the sideline for as much of the game as possible while still being explosive on offense and putting together a a bunch of scoring drives. That's going to have to be the game plan. I think they're going to try to follow that blueprint that the Patriots laid out on offense against the Chiefs and pound and then take your shots when they're there in the passing game.
0: Oh, I completely agree. And plus, Joe Mixon, he is quietly becoming a top 10, maybe even top 5 running back in the NFL. He might be a top 5 back by season's end. He is just so fun to watch. And the Bengals, when you talk about their defense, Geno Atkins, he's been quietly having a Defensive Player of the Year type campaign with six sacks already, and he's been absolutely outstanding this season. And the Chiefs' interior offensive line is decimated by injury heading into this game. How possible or likely is it that this mismatch could be the difference between a win and a loss for the Chiefs?
1: You know, two weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, they'll be fine. But you saw again on Sunday night, especially in the first half when New England was able to get to Mahomes and he looked like a different quarterback. There were the overthrows. There were the off-target throws that we just haven't seen out of him so far this season. And as well as he is when he's under pressure outside of the pocket, we really saw that containing him in the pocket and getting people and bodies around him was maybe the first weakness we've seen out of Patrick Mahomes this season. Now, he turned it around in the second half, and that New England pass rush lost some of its uh, zip, so to say, in that second half. But again, if you've got Carlos Dunlap and you've got Geno Atkins as a two-man wrecking crew, I would not be surprised to see a lot of plays where Cincinnati's able to get their defense off the field because of that pass rush.
0: Indeed, and uh, what other game deciding matchups do you see in this game?
1: Well, for for Cincinnati, you we know, we talked about you know moving the ball on offense as well, but you know they've also got AJ Green, and he needs to have a big game to be able for Cincinnati to be able to match points with Kansas City in case it does become a track meet, and both teams are going down the field. And for Cincinnati, too many times they can lose focus, so to say, on offense, and A.J. Green will disappear for periods of time during that game. They've been doing a better job of targeting him this season. He should be an 100-yard receiver every single week just because of that talent he has, and with the emergence of Tyler Boyd as a viable option next to him, A.J. Green in that offense going up against that Kansas City secondary should be a big game for Andy Dalton.
0: And who do you have winning this game?
1: You know, I I want to give Cincinnati a chance to win this game. I really, really like the matchups and thought, boy, they really have a shot at this. But it's in Kansas City. It's prime time. It just doesn't seem like this is the week where that's going to happen. And Kansas City with back-to-back losses. So I'm going with the Chiefs in a high-scoring, close game. 38-34 to 34 over the Bengals.
0: I have it the almost the exact same way again, albeit just slightly lower scoring. Chiefs 34, Bengals 31. And now moving on to our set my lineup portion of the program. And this week, Raj Chandra has given us his non-PPR team to look at. And he has an easy decision quarterback, Blake Bortles or Patrick Mahomes. You know who we're oh, going with.
1: Well, Bortles all the way, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Nope. No, oh, no, I'm not I'm not playing you this week, Raj. Go with Mahomes. Okay.
0: And that said, uh running back also has a pretty easy decision to insert to the two uh running back slots. Edo Smith, Isaiah Crowell, Royce Freeman, Kareem Hunt, and Ezekiel Elliott. Easy, right?
1: Jeez, very easy.
0: Yep. Zeke Elliott and Kareem Hunt. And wide receivers where it gets a little tricky here because Devontae Adams is on bye. He has Josh Gordon. Marvin Jones or Taylor Gabriel, who is quietly becoming a key weapon for that Bears offense. So uh, which two of those three wide receivers that are active this weekend, Josh Gordon, Taylor Gabriel, or Marvin Jones, do you insert into those wide receiver slots?
1: Yeah, I, I feel like Marvin Jones has, has really carved out a role in Detroit. I really would Pick him over Gordon as a, as a lock there. Gabriel Gordon, that's really, to me, kind of a coin coin flip. The Patriots are involving Gordon more in the offense, but you saw um, first drive of the game, third down and three, and Brady was looking for Gordon on the sideline, and they weren't on the same page. Later on in the game, there was another chance in the end zone. Back in the end zone, uh, Brady was expecting Gordon to stop and settle down. Gordon kept running. Pass goes incomplete. They kick a field goal. So they're still working out some kinks. I don't think he's ready to explode on to the scene with a hundred and sixty, 170-yard receiving game and a couple touchdowns, like his 2013 year in Cleveland, yet. So I'd be a little hesitant with Gordon, and I might be leaving leaning towards, like you said, he's been a very effective, uh, especially getting into the end zone uh, with Gabriel. And matching him up with Jones
0: yep that's a pretty difficult choice and at tight end you got Jordan Reed or OJ Howard
1: and you know coming into the season you'd say well that's an easy one if it reads healthy we're going to play him but he's really seen a diminished role in Washington this year he just hasn't been getting the ball like he has in the past uh, whether it's team's scheming for him knowing he's there and and Really making a conscious effort to take him out of the game plan, or if if it's just you know uh, getting used to Alex Smith as quarterback. So I think I'd be leaning towards Howard if it was me. Oh,
0: I absolutely agree. Plus uh, that game between the Bucks and Browns, I believe will be a high-scoring one, and uh, the Cowboys and Redskins, I see a more low-scoring, ugly defensive style game there. So O.J. Howard would be the better bet there, in my opinion. So obviously Pat Mahomes, Zeke Elliott, Kareem Hunt. Uh, we have Marva Jones. Did you have Josh Gordon or Taylor Gabriel at that other wide receiver spot?
1: I had Taylor Gabriel.
0: Taylor Gabriel. Got it. So at flex, we got Isaiah Crowell, Ido Smith, who's going to see an expanded role with Devontae Freeman and IR, Royce Freeman, who has a very, very good matchup against that awful Arizona Cardinals run defense, and uh, Josh Gordon. So Royce Freeman, Isaiah Crowell, Ido Smith, or Josh Gordon at the Flex Farage?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one because I, I really like Freeman there. But, geez, you look at Isaiah Crowell and, and that 200-yard game and you're going, oh, how do I not put him out there right now? Um, and Ido Smith, who's been that uh, – even, you know, he's been that goal line back and he's been piling up the touchdowns fairly consistently. Um at this point I'm flipping a coin between Freeman and, and Ido Smith right now. What do you think David?
0: That is a tough one it, it's hard it's more difficult to gauge Royce Freeman's role at this moment because the Broncos uh, like are very game specific with their plans at running back so I think for touchdown upside and what I expect to be another high scoring game between the Falcons and Giants on Monday Night Football. Go with my man Edo Smith, who I interviewed at the Senior Bowl. By the way, he really stood out to me in those practices, and he's showing you why every single Sunday. He's been a touchdown scoring machine for the Falcons so far. When they call his name in the red zone, and now moving on to our rapid fire predictions, in which we predict the rest of these Week Seven games, starting with a bore, what, boring or a hold, nose holding affair on Thursday Night Football between the Broncos and the Arizona Cardinals. Ugh, I I just, uh, if, if you're a Cardinals fan, you should be rooting for the Broncos to win, and if you're a Broncos fan, vice versa, because you have to be rooting for draft slot if you're a fan of both of these teams right now. It's going to be a, a, an unwatchable game, but my money is on Josh Rosen pulling it off 26-13. Uh, to 13.
1: Yeah, I've got Arizona at home as well pulling this out. Uh, I think if it was in Denver, I'd pick Denver where it's two teams that are this bad. Uh, I got a little lower scoring, Arizona 16, Denver 13.
0: Uh, That wouldn't be surprising either. And early Sunday morning at uh, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, the Chargers host the Titans across the pond in London. The Titans, they just have no offense, and I have to go with the Chargers here, and I like them 27-13 to 13 here.
1: Yeah, that's pretty close to what I had as well, David. I, I don't think it matters where on the planet the Chargers are playing the Titans this week. I've got the Chargers 24-9 to 9 over Tennessee.
0: Yes, and the Bears coming off that heartbreaking loss to the Dolphins and Brock Osweiler, uh, they host the New England Patriots, said this is a bad week to bounce back. I think it gets worse for the Bears before it gets better, and I think the Patriots win a relatively easy game, 34-17. to I,
1: I think it's going to be cl- a little bit closer than that. Um, we really got to see New England go on the road and um, – put that offense together they've they've done great at home so far but not quite so much on the road but I still have New England I mean they just looked so good especially in that first half against Kansas City I think they'll be able to pull it out over the Bears 24 to 20.
0: Oh, if it's that close, then that should be considered a moral victory for Bears fans, and I'm not kidding. And the Miami Dolphins and Brock Osweiler, who will be starting again in this month of Brocktober, fitting, uh, post the Detroit Lions this week, uh, Last week's game against the Bears, it was a weird series of lucky bounces going both ways, and the Dolphins just got the last lucky bounce of this game. They're not going to be as lucky this week against the Lions. I see the Lions uh, winning 31-20. Uh, to 20.
1: Yeah, I, I've got Detroit winning as well. Uh, I, I, you know... I still don't know how the Dolphins pulled that game out last week. I I can rewatch it again, and I'm still befuddled with it. But Detroit's well-rested. It should be a fairly easy victory for them, I think. I've got them 23-16 over the Dolphins.
0: And another NFC North versus AFC East matchup goes down this week at MetLife Stadium where the New York Jets and Sam Darnold host Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. Sam Darnold has been on fire these past two weeks and Sam Darnold is only going to get better and this game I think is going to be a pretty high scoring game because both teams are uh, missing key players on defense. The Jets secondary is badly bagged up and the Vikings are going to be without Everson Griffin and now Mike Hughes out for the season with that torn ACL. The Jets are going to keep it close until the very end but I have the veteran pulling it out at the end and the better team winning Vikings 30 Jets 27.
1: I've got it a little bit easier for Minnesota on the road. I really like Sam Darnold. I'm not sure the Jets are going to be able to run the ball effectively against Minnesota. And if they get the Jets uh, one-dimensional by halftime, they should be able to cruise. I have it Minnesota 30, New York 17.
0: The Buffalo Bills travel to Indianapolis to face the Colts. and Derek Anderson, the grizzled vet. Will be starting at quarterback for the Buffalo Bills in this game. This was one of the toughest games to pick of the week. Seriously, flip a coin. Uh, both these teams aren't that good, but I just like that Bills defense so much. When the rest of the league is struggling on defense, the Buffalo Bills have come to play and their defense does just enough to eke out an ugly 17-13 to win
1: you know I, i'm thinking along those same lines um i just think indianapolis may just be able to make a couple more plays um you know if nathan peterman Derek anderson oh i just don't see those quarterbacks pulling out victories Ugh. i'm going indianapolis 17 buffalo 13 is how i have it the opposite of yours
0: Oh, wouldn't be surprised at that outcome either. And this game could determine who holds first place in the AFC South at the end of the week. The Texans traveling to Jacksonville to face the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have been absolutely struggling as of late. Their defense had a hard time with that horrendous Cowboys offense, for crying out loud. I picked the Texans to win the AFC South uh, headed into the season, and the AFC South doesn't look like a good division right now, but I think that Texans defense with enough uh, fireworks from Deshaun Watson, like four or five big plays a game should be enough to win this game and the division long term. Texans win 2017.
1: Yeah, I, I think the offensive weapons with Houston are just gonna be able to do enough against Jacksonville. And you know, I, I thought I had Blake Bortles figured out one week on, wait one week off, and he just you know, threw that out the window last week. So I don't know what we're getting out of Jacksonville. I'm taking Houston. Uh, I don't think it'll be a high scoring game, but enough for them to win 23 to 17 over the Jags.
0: And Baker Mayfield takes the Browns into the new sombrero, or we should call it the uh, old sombrero now because Raymond Jade Stadium is almost 15 years old. Wow. Yeah, yep. Time flies quickly. Uh, So he takes his team to the new old sombrero to take on the Buccaneers. I think this game is going to be a shootout, but I'll give the edge to the home team. Buccaneers 33, Browns 30.
1: Yeah, I I was pretty close to that. A a little, not quite as high scoring, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. I have Cleveland. I think Mayfield's really going to bounce back this week with a strong performance, and I have them pulling it out over Jameis Winston and company, 27 to 24.
0: Yeah, that was another hard game for me to pick. And the Philadelphia Eagles, after a much-needed victory against the New York Giants last week, they play host to the Carolina Panthers. and The Panthers are looking to bounce back from that loss against the Redskins and this is uh, going to be a very close game but Carson Wentz, I think, is scouting to find his stride and I have the Eagles uh, pulling out a 24-21 victory.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking the same way you are on this one as well, David. I I think Philadelphia, you're starting to see that offense start getting into rhythm um, with Wentz getting more comfortable with Jeffrey back. So, Carolina, I was very surprised that you know their performance last week. I, I thought they would play a lot better so I don't see going into Philadelphia as the cure for that and I have the Eagles 29 to 22 over the Panthers.
0: We are in agreement there indeed and this game could determine first place in the NFC East by the end of the week as the Dallas Cowboys fresh off that shellacking of the Jacksonville Jaguars take on the Washington Redskins in D.C. after that huge win against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, This uh, I really like how both these teams play defense actually and I think this is going to be another low scoring game. Uh, It's going to be a a traditional old school divisional grudge match uh this is seriously a coin flip but you got to go with the home team in these situations i've taken the redskins in this game uh let's say uh by uh, 19 to 17 final score
1: yeah i i was thinking around that same score i just you know there's just something when dallas plays washington that it doesn't matter what year it is it doesn't matter who's coaching each team um Just something strange happens every time when these two teams get together. So I have it close. I have it low scoring, but I have Dallas pulling it out 20 to 16. The
0: Los Angeles Rams are the only undefeated team left in the National Football League, but, uh, they're a little banged up. Uh, Cooper Cup is liking to miss this game and several others who do a sprain MCL, so that takes away an underrated weapon from their offense. And on defense, they're obviously, uh, lacking in, in the back end with Aqib Tlaib out indefinitely. So, uh, and they take out a 49ers team who put uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to the test last week on both sides of the ball. So I have the Rams uh, winning this game to stay unbeaten, but I think it's going to be very, very close uh, and high scoring. So 41 to 38, I think, would be my final Ooh. score here, Rams over the 49ers. Because keep in mind, the Rams defense is struggling, and it's Kyle Shanahan for crying out loud.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I really want to give San Francisco a chance to for an upset special, and I really wanted to do it, but I... <laughs> Even without Cooper Cup, there's just so many weapons on that Rams offense. You know, I mean, they could just put this game on Gurley and pile up enough points to win. I've got the Rams 35-24 to 24 over San Francisco.
0: And on Monday Night Football, the Atlanta Falcons, fresh off a much-needed victory last week against Tampa, play host to the struggling New York Giants and that washed quarterback named Eli Manning. Uh, the Falcons' uh, defense is very, very decimated, but this Giants team is just absolutely atrocious to watch, with the exception of Saquon Barkley, of course, but uh, I just uh, don't... The, I'm speechless. Like, th- they show no heart last week. Yes, they have a, a, a lot of rest uh, headed into this game, but I just don't trust the Giants right now. I have the Atlanta Falcons winning a game, and I know as bad as defense is, it's going to be a pretty easy victory compared to their last couple wins, 37-24 to 24 over the New York Giants
1: yeah I, i'm thinking the same thing it's, it's a tough road matchup for the giants even if they you know were playing better going into atlanta can be a tough game and so many offensive weapons for the falcons still um you know when you backup back up running backs tevin coleman you're pretty deep over there so uh i'm going atlanta 27 giants 16 and another eli manning face on the sideline
0: that is a very, very safe bet, Hal, and moving on to our bold predictions for Week 7, and I will go first. The Denver Broncos will yield another 200-yard rusher tonight, and David Johnson, in the process, will set the single-game rushing yardage record.
1: Wow. That is Bold. I, I, how am I supposed to follow that up, David? My God. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can do it, Hal. Come on. My bold prediction, I, I'm going back to where I started with talking about that Baltimore defense. We all know how well Drew Brees is, the, the, the touchdowns, the yards, everything. And we're going to see Drew Brees isn't going to throw for 300 yards. He's not going to throw for 250 yards. He's not going to throw for 200 yards. And I'm going to go and say he's not even going to hit 150 yards passing against this Baltimore defense as they're going to control the clock, keep him off the field, and New Orleans is going to be trying to run the football. And you're going to see Drew Brees with a paltry 130 yards passing coming out of this game.
0: That is bold and at the same time not quite as bold. So, uh, that's
1: why I wanted to go first.
0: <laughs> we'll let you go first next week, Hal. And he is Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen. You can catch his work at fullpresscoverage.com. And if you're a Patriots fan, you can catch his work at musketfire.com and bostonsportpage.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. Hal, it's a lot of fun doing this with you every single week leading up to an amazing slate of NFL games. But we got to do our challenge for Flags before we go, and you will go first this week.
1: Oh, thank you. Excellent. So, my challenge flag is going out to Mike Vrabel, who had a wonderful start as a head coach in Tennessee and that toughness that was on display. And now, all of a sudden, it looks like Tennessee is fading fast. And yes, when your quarterback is injured, you're going to have some problems. But you know what? Marcus Mariota wasn't playing great before. And we've got a team that beat Jacksonville, took the Eagles to overtime, and now you're losing to the Bills. You you get seven first downs and a, get sacked 11 times. Granted, it's the Ravens. But you've got the Chargers. You're flying to Los Angeles. Mike Vrabel, toughen this team up. Make this a game. I may not believe in you, but I'm throwing the challenge flag for you to believe in yourself because you're coming back from the bye week, you're going to Dallas, you're facing the Patriots, your season can be going down the tubes in a hurry. So Mike Vrabel, my challenge is to you is to re-toughen up that Tennessee Titans team and get them back on track.
0: Oh, very, very good challenge. And for the record, they fly to London, not L.A. this week. Oh, that's right. So, uh maybe a little bit more manageable flight coming from Nashville. <laughs> and my challenge flag goes to another rookie head coach, Matt Nagy. All right, the Bears, uh, you had another heartbreaking loss last week, and your challenge is to keep this ship steady. It's likely to get worse before it gets better this week against the Patriots, and the next two games after that are winnable, but are not going to be easy against Sam Darnold and the Jets, and that Buffalo Bills defense the week after, so... Your challenge, Matt Nagy, keep the ship steady, keep Mitchell Trubisky improving every single week, keep your team competitive in every game, exceed my expectations this week, and even if you miss out on the playoffs on the, at the end of the year, if you like end up with eight or nine wins, and your team shows improvement um, every single week, then the future will be even brighter than expected in Chicago. So Matt Nagy, just keep the ship steady, and keep expectations realistic, and the Bears should be fine this year and in the long run as well. And Hal, that concludes it for this week, and we look forward to having you back on next week
1: to preview Week 8. I'm looking forward, David. Thank you for having me as always, and uh, let's have a great set of games this week just like we did last week.
0: You said it, Hal, and that's it for today here on Sports Crunch, but as I said, we'll be back next week to preview Week 8 of this 2018 NFL season, so stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com, and remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Hal. For Hal Bent, our producer- Chris Broadhead. This is David Cromwell saying so long. Enjoy the games this weekend, and as usual, stay awesome.